What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU podcast. Thank you all for joining me. In this episode, I will continue to preview the SEC West, taking a look at Auburn and Mississippi State. As always, you can find the 60 Feet 6 Inch LSU podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, other major audio, audio platforms. If you're viewing this on the YouTube channel, please make sure you like, subscribe, and comment. On Twitter, the account is at 60FT6INLSUPod. Once again, that's at 60FT6INLSUPod. Make sure to follow, hit that notifications bell, and inter- interact with me on Twitter. And once again, you don't want to miss out. More content to come, more teams in the SEC West, and then I hope to wrap it up with a couple of shows with some guests that know a lot about SEC baseball, LSU baseball, leading you all the way up until first pitch at Alec Box Stadium. If you missed the last episode of the pod, I previewed Alabama and Ole Miss. I predicted a sixth-place finish for the Alabama Crimson Tide going 14-16 and 16 this year, and a fifth-place finish for the defending national champions, Ole Miss Rebels with a 15-15 and 15 SEC record. Of course, that episode is linked on the Twitter account. And once again, I will do the same for this episode, linking it in podcast form and the YouTube channel link as well. So, all right, let's get right into it. First up, the Auburn Tigers. So, raise your hand if you remember that the Auburn Tigers went to the College World Series last year, because I forgot. I didn't remember not a lick until I started doing research. I said, oh, yeah, they were pretty good last year. I forgot they made it to the College World Series. A lot of SEC teams in the College World Series last year. So last year in 2022, Auburn finished 43-22. and 22. They finished 16-13 and 13 in the SEC, which is good for a fourth-place finish. They hosted their own regional, which they won. Then they went to Corvallis for the Oregon State Super Regional, which they won. Then they went to the College World Series where they went 1-2. and two losing to Ole Miss, beating Stanford, then losing to Arkansas. So a little bit of a SEC West flavor right there at the College World Series. In terms of their team statistics for 2022, hitting, sixth in batting average, second in hits, 10th in home runs, 10th in slugging, but they did hit a lot of doubles. They came in third in doubles. So not a ton of pop, but they could get on base, go uh, gap to gap, and uh, really move those runners around the base as well. When you look at pitching for Auburn last year, seventh in ERA at 4.49, struck out the fourth most opposing hitters, tied for first in saves with 20, gave up the second most hits and the second most doubles. So they could lock you down at the end of the games, but until they got to the end and that stud closure they had last year, it was a little bit hit and miss there, giving up that many hits and that many doubles. And some of that may be attributed to their ballpark. They have a weird, funky ballpark where they have like this big wall, Fenway-esque and left. Then they have some nooks and crannies out there and some odd configurations. So um, if you find a gap or that ball takes a, a weird hit off the wall out there and, um, you know, you're not necessarily used to playing and it takes an odd balance, you're going to have a lot of doubles. When you look at the Tigers' 2023 schedule, they open with a home series versus Indiana. Then they go to Los Angeles for a three-game series with USC. So once again, just like Alabama, taking a trip out, out to Pepperdine, Another SEC West team making the trip out West to go play USC. So that's really cool for those kids. Have to uh, tune into that to see how that turns out. They also play Southeastern for a three-game set as well. When I looked at their SEC schedule, really nothing stood out to me. Not that it was ho-hum because the SEC is loaded, particularly the West, but no four-game stretches 
or six game stretches like Ole Miss has. Just a tough SEC schedule, as you would predict, but nothing uh, treacherous out there in terms of back to back to back, really rough weekends for Auburn. When you look at the transfer portal, I really found nothing to note for them, which is kind of odd the way that teams are hitting the portal nowadays. They did bring in a really good freshman recruiting class. It was ranked number six by Baseball America. They got four of the top 100s onto campus this year, and that was actually second to LSU in terms of number of top 100 recruits that made it to campus. And the highlight of that class is the number 39 player overall, catcher Ike Irish. Moving on to what we can expect from the Auburn Tigers baseball team this year, both on the hitting and the pitching side. So let's take a look at the hitters first. In terms of their key losses from the 2022 team, it starts, really, it starts and ends with, doesn't end, but it starts with Sonny Deshara, one of the best hitters in the country, the big first baseman, transfers from Samford, and he really just tore the conference up last year. It was fun to watch him hit because he could absolutely find the sweet spot, put barrel to ball, home runs, doubles, whatever it took. He was just a tough out for anybody that faced him. So Deshara last year hit 383. 22 home runs and 59 RBIs. Just a massive year for him. And uh, I didn't like watching him play against LSU, but it's really fun to watch his approach to play and watch him hit. They also lost another top of the order, order guy in Blake Rambush. He hit 327, 16 for 21 in stolen bases. So he was one of those table setters for Deshara. They also lost Brooks Carlson, hit 297, and another. Good hitter for those guys last year. Brody Moore hit 291. So really four guys that hit over 300 or close to 300. That's going to be tough for Auburn to place this year. Auburn lost 54% of their home run production, and they lost 45% of their RBI production heading into 2023. But the good thing is they do return five starters from the College World Series team, meaning five guys that played significant innings in the College World Series on the hitter side of things. That would be outfielder Kaysen Howell. He hit 287. He had 19 doubles last year, which was second on the team. And he also had 11 stolen bases. So Howell will be a very big piece in the outfield this year for those guys. Also, another starter in the outfield, Bobby Pierce. He hit 10 home runs. And then moving on to the infield, they bring back Cole Foster, who hit nine home runs on second on the team with 47 RBIs. They bring back catcher Nate LaRue. And then a part-time starter in the infield and outfield with Bolello and Hill, respectively. So when you look at it, they got two outfield starters back. You got your catcher back, which is a big deal. They brought in that big-time freshman who's a catcher as well. And then on the infield, you have a starter and another part-time starter back. So looking to fill some holes on the infield. While they bring back a lot of experience and guys that play in the College World Series, so they, they know what to expect from the pressure of the SEC, the regionals and super regionals, I don't know if that lineup – has the top-end talent and really the middle-of-the-order talent that scared a lot of teams last year with regards to Deshara. Rambush was a pest at the top of the order, and then you had Carlson and Moore. Now, Hal and Pierce are big-time hitters, and they're going to slot right into the middle of that order with some pop as well. But LaRue hit like nine, eight or nine last year, a lower 200s hitter. And then your part-time starters that you bring back in uh, Bellow and Hill, I'm sure those guys have matured and are ready to take the next step up. I just You just don't know uh, what they're going to do in a full schedule and what those numbers in production will look like. Moving on to the pitching side, I think this is where Auburn's going to have some issues. They only returned one of their weekend arms. So they lose Mason Barnett and Trace Bright. 
They started 14 and 17 games last year, respectively. They also lost their stud at the back end of the games, and that is closer Blake Burkhalter. He had 16 saves last year, 30 appearances. He threw 46 and a third innings pitched with 71 Ks, and he could throw multiple times on the weekend. And that guy had wipeout stuff. We talk about that one-to-one strikeout to innings pitch ratio, and uh, Burkhalter was well above it almost two to one with 16 saves. So he was able to lock it down when they got in the eighth and ninth inning for Auburn last year. And they lose him right out the door. You also lose another key bullpen piece in Skipper Carson, who had 27 appearances and he went six and three on the year. So another big bullpen arm. So who do they return in terms of a weekend starter? Like I mentioned, the only guy they bring back is Joseph Gonzalez. Now he's not your typical kind of quote unquote Friday night SEC arm where he's going to run it up there mid to upper 90s, like a Sprout, a Waldrop, a Skeens. Um, uh, the Vandy's got, Vandy's got the two lefties, Hunter Elliott, Ole Miss. Uh, Arkansas has got some studs, and, and so does A&M, guys that are really going to run it up there velocity-wise. Gonzalez is a sinker slider guy with a power sinker. He will throw that a ton, gets a lot of jam jobs, a ton of ground balls, and he's going to pitch to contact. He wants to get out of there in three pitches or less, and get up and if he can get two ground balls and a fly ball and seven pitches, he'll take that all day. Last year, Gonzalez, he led the team in ERA at 3.22, which is very impressive. He went seven and four, started 14 games, and he went 78 innings pitched. So not a strikeout guy, like I said, but more of a contact guy. And that shows right here when you look at his batting average against opposing hitters hit 276 off of him. So that's really high. And he only had 54 strikeouts and 78 innings pitch. Once again, effective. You know, he's 90 to 93, I think, but just a power sinker. And uh, I would imagine he's just going to move right into that Friday night role. They also bring back a key reliever, Chase Alsup, who had 23 appearances. He did have two saves, 3.38 ERA. So you wonder if he slots into Burkhalder's spot as a closer. A um, couple other bullpen arms and possibly part-time starters that may move into the weekend rotation, Tommy Sheehan. Started three games for the Tigers last year with 16 appearances. And then you had Jordan Armstrong, who started six games last year for Auburn with a three and one record. So Sheehan and Armstrong may be looking to move into that weekend rotation. But that's really all I could find in terms of the returners. Those are the only guys that really stood out. Once again, nothing that I could find unless I missed something on the portal side in terms of a couple pitchers that Auburn really brought in. So looking ahead to the 60 feet, six inches, 2023 prediction for Auburn. I know they made the College World Series last year, and they seem to kind of be hit or miss or a little bit of up. Obviously, last year was a huge uptick, but I just don't know a ton of what they bring back besides the high school recruiting class, and that's a lot to ask for freshmen to step into the SEC and contribute in a big way. I like the middle of their order. I think they're going to have some guys with some pop and some good experience, but I, I definitely see some holes. You know, what's the top of the order going to look like? And then you just can't have a cliff after you get to five. You can't have six, seven, eight, nine, just be designated outs, and those guys hit 200. That's just not going to cut it in the SEC. And then when you look at their rotation, I like Gonzalez. You know, he's going to probably give you six or seven and keep you in a ton of games, and you better be ready to field some ground balls and play great defense behind him. But he's not really going to dominate teams in terms of strikeouts. Now, he'll dominate them by throwing up zeros. And he did that with a 3.22 ERA. But he's not going to do that with just a ton of strikeouts. That's just not him, and he's not effective like that. And then once again, I don't know what you have in the bullpen coming back. It's tough to replace a Blake Burkhalter with 16 saves and 30 appearances. I mean, when you you figure 
you're on the road in the SEC, Auburn comes to LSU and they get the lead in the eighth and ninth. That's Burkhalter time, and that is lockdown central. You know, and I know he did that last year against LSU. So, with all that being said, I predict the Auburn Tigers to go 12 and 18. I think it's going to be a rough year on the Plains. Obviously, I'm not at the practices. I don't have the inside scoop. Just going off some different things, uh, stats, and who they had last year and whatnot. I just, I think it's going to be a serious downslide for Auburn this year, and I predict them to finish last in the SEC West. Now. Moving on to the next team we're going to preview this episode, the Mississippi State Bulldogs. I predict them to do actually the opposite. Look, State had a horrible year last year coming off winning the 2021 College World Series. They went 26-30. and 30. They finished 9-21 and 21 in the SEC, which was last for the SEC West. And they were really hurt by injuries early on, specifically from their pitching staff. They were kind of decimated by injuries. And you're going to see that when I go over some of their 2022 stats. It's just not the Mississippi State that you think of, and you don't think of them like that as a program, you know. And I, I think this year is going to be a different story in Starkville. When you look at their team statistics from 2022, 10th in batting average at 277, 6th in slugging. And then you look at the other categories, hits, doubles, runs scored. Uh, they're in that 10 to 12 range, which isn't great. They did hit 95 home runs, which is good for 6th in the conference. But it gets even worse when you look at their pitching staff last year. They're the worst team ERA in the conference at 6.07. Not just, not just conference games. That's all games. That's terrible. The opponent batting average was 260, which was the 12th worst. They were last in saves. They only had three saves last year. And then they gave up the 12th most runs and earned runs, gave up the most home runs, the second most doubles. I mean, it's, it's easy. You know where I'm going. I pretty much just laid it all out there. They walked a ton of guys. Just a nightmare on the mound. When you look at statistics at the pitching staff, that is the not which the anti-pitching staff statistics right there. They're, those guys were just not good last year. And like I said, injuries played an enormous role in that, losing their ace very early on in the year. In terms of their fielding, that was a bright spot for those guys. They actually led the conference in fielding percentage at 983, committed the least amount of errors, and they were very good on the catching side as well. Looking at these guys' 2023 schedule in Starkville, very cool home weekend series with Arizona State. I love that. I think Arizona State, if they get a home and home, even better. Tempe is a very cool place to play. They are also in the Frisco College Baseball Classic. LSU, I would love for you to get in that next year. Frisco is an amazing ballpark and a great place to play out right outside of Dallas and North Dallas. But back to state. They play Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Cal in the Frisco College Baseball Classic. And for those who don't remember, Oklahoma lost to Ole Miss in the National Championship Series last year. The SEC schedule, they have a tough four-game stretch at the end of the year. And this may determine whether or not they get into the SEC tournament, whether in that, they're in that regional discussion. But, I mean, this is just a murderer's row at the end of the year. At Tennessee, Arkansas at the Dude, at LSU, A&M at the Dude. So four top ten teams preseason right there to end your season. That is just a really rough stretch right there. That's terrible. But and I'm sure that, that place will be rocking for when Arkansas and then A&M come to town. In the transfer portal, they really went out and got it in the transfer portal. They had the fourth-ranked transfer portal class this year with six players in the top 100. And they had the second-ranked freshman recruiting class. And they also had a ton of players in the top 100 as well. They had uh, four or five. So 
great job by that staff, really knowing they lost a lot of people, knowing last year wasn't good in Starkville. They went out, hit the portal hard, and they hit that recruiting class hard. But I'm sure they had built up a lot of that um, in the previous year, being able to show those guys, look what we're doing, and they won the national championship. So as you all know, that's, that's usually done one to two years in advance. When you look at their portal class, they have the fifth-ranked player in the portal, Samford outfielder Colton Ledbetter. Last year for Samford, he had 318 with 16 home runs, 57 RBIs, and he had 16 doubles. So this guy, a lot of people are, are, are talking very highly of him, and I'm ready to see him play. I'm excited. I mean, this guy is instant plug-and-play outfielder from Mississippi State. You're going to plug him probably into the top four of that lineup, and he's going to start out there from day one. I mean, just think of what Sonny Deshara did at Sanford. He transitioned to, to the SEC last year with Auburn, and then you got another Sanford coming into the SEC West and Colton Ledbetter. So very exciting to see this young man play for State this year. They also have an impact pitcher from Memphis. He was the number 31-ranked portal transfer. That is Landon Gartman. He threw 86 innings pitch last year for the Tigers, 94 Ks, 7 and 1, a 175 batting average against. And he was actually the American Conference Rookie of the Year. So I would imagine Gartman is somebody they went out and got. He's a starter. They're going to hopefully throw him into the weekend rotation as well. They also picked up a key infielder for them from UNO. So out of Blake Dean's program, he was the Southland Newcomer of the Year last year infielder Amani Larry. He ranked 33rd in the transfer portal rankings. Last year for UNO, he hit 370 with an on-base percentage of 477. That's pretty impressive. You're getting on base almost half your ABs. They picked up a pitcher from Ball State, a pitcher from Texas, and then a left-handed pitcher from VCU and Tyler Davis. They also picked up a, on their roster, it says infielder slash outfielder from VCU. His name is Connor Husack. He hit 12 bombs last year for VCU with 30, geez, 30 doubles. So when you look at the portal, you know, you think Ledbetter is going to slide right into the outfield. Husack is either going to play infield or outfield, swing guy, maybe even DH a little bit. And then you got Gartman, who I'd imagine is going to go in the weekend. And then you got Larry, that infielder from UNO. So right there, you're looking at three starters and then a potential weekend starter. So they did a great job in the portal. Okay. Moving on. So what did State lose off of last year's team? And then what do they have coming back? 2023 hitters. First of all, their key losses. They lost 60% of their home run production and 58% of their RBI production. So a lot of runs to make up for. They lost three of their top hitters from last year. R.J. Yeager. And look at this stat line. R.J. Yeager hit 317, 18 home runs, and 56 RBIs. That's massive. They also lost Cameron James, who hit 303 with nine bombs. Brad Cumbest hit 302 with 15 bombs. And then Tanner Logan, who had 17 home runs as well. So right off the bat with Jaeger, James, Cumbest, and Logan, those are four key guys that they have to replace. That's a lot of production right there. That's a lot of pop with those names. But looking to replace those guys will be returners, outfielder Kellum Clark. I know a lot of people at Mississippi State are happy about him. He's going to be one to watch in the SEC race this year to have a breakout year. Clark last year hit 257 with 14 home runs. So if they can surround him with some other guys with some pops, the teams can't pitch around him, I would imagine his, his home run numbers are going to go up, you know, potentially 21 home run guy this year, maybe. Also, D.H. Hunter Hines, 
who hit 300, excuse me, 300 last year with 16 bombs and 52 RBIs. So I'd imagine Clark and Hines are going to be right there in that 3-4 range for the Bulldogs. Add on top of that, Colton Ledbetter, as you know, the transfer, he's going to be right there in the mix. They also bring back infielder Luke Hancock, who at 279 last year at first. They bring back Lane Forsythe, and they're probably going to add the Armani Larry kid right to the infield mix as well. One other guy I forgot to mention, he was a freshman last year. He played a little bit for state, but he came in with a ton of hype, and I think he's going to make a, uh, he has a chance to make a big impact this year for the Bulldogs, and that is sophomore Slate Alford. He played in 26 games last year. So the word in some of those articles I read and the word around state is that uh, people are really excited for what he's going to do this year if he can get a full-time starting gig. And they really have you know, a lot of potential with that lineup. Clark and Hines are going to produce, and it's just up to the transfers to kind of fill in around them. And you're going to have Hancock, who's been there, and Forsythe. So state looking to have a really solid six or seven hitters in that lineup, just reading off stats and, and reading off who's coming in. Now, when you look at the pitching staff, that's a huge question mark for me. They lost their main weekend guy in Preston Johnson. He threw 79 innings last year, 13 games started. They also lost Brandon Smith, who started eight games and 64 innings pitched. Out the bullpen, they lose Jackson Fristo with 24 appearances. Drew Talley had 19 appearances. And then they lost Landon Sims, who was their ace. They lost him early in the year uh, to Tommy John. Um, just a big blow for that kid because he was going to have a great year coming off of that amazing 2021 he had in the College World Series. But they do return one of their weekend guys in Cade Smith. He had a very good year last year. He went 4-4 four and four with a 3.86 ERA, started four games, 72 innings pitched, though, so a ton of work for Smith. And this is really impressive. Listen to this, 221 batting average against. So Smith is going to be massive for those guys. I'm sure you can just pencil him in, the Friday night guy. Then they add on the back of him, Landon Gartman, that transfer we mentioned from Memphis. I would imagine he's battling for a weekend role if he already hasn't been slated there. They do bring back some bullpen experience with Casey Hunt, 15 appearances. Pico Cohn, it's a great name, 21 appearances. And then from the starter side, Parker Stinnett had six games started last year. So I mentioned – Besides Gartman from Memphis, they brought in a VCU pitcher, a Texas pitcher, a Ball State pitcher. So we're going to have to wait to see how those guys shake out. You got Kate Smith coming back as your weekend starter. So some of those transfers are going to have to step up on the mound. And I just don't know enough about them to really know what to expect to say, yep, this guy's your weekend guy, this guy's your setup guy, and this guy's going to be your closer. What do we predict here on the 60 feet, 6 inches? podcast for the Mississippi State Bulldogs in 2023. Look, I think they're going to have a better year. There's no way their state's going 9-21 and 21 again. Too proud of a program, too much history, too good of a coaching staff, arguably the best facility in college baseball. With everything they've done over there, it's absolutely amazing. And one of the best fan bases in college baseball. And they have been since, you know, the 90s and the 80s with Ron Polk. You know, he got that sucker going, and they're great baseball fans over there in Starkville. I just think in this day and age, they did a great job going out and getting transfers. Obviously, they're building for the future as well, having a, a, a bang-up recruiting class come in. You know, I just can't wait to see some of these guys play in some of the hype, right? Ledbetter and Gartman pitch. Armani Larry's getting talked about a lot on the infield, the UNO transferred. But to me, the ultimate question is, what's the pitching staff going to look like? I went over those stats early in the pod, and 
the pitching staff was terrible. They were last in the conference in just about everything. I'm not going to revisit that, but it's just bad. So what does that look like moving forward? They're going to be able to swing it. I read somewhere the other day, somebody predicted they potentially have five guys with double-digit home runs, especially with Clark and Hines. Though led better in there. And Husack from VCU, he had 12 home runs last year. That's four guys right there. And uh, you got Hancock at seven in the fourth, so I think some for them last year. So I definitely think it's going to be better. Are they going to be able to jump into that top three of the SEC West? I don't know. It's going to be tough. I just don't have a good enough picture and a good enough idea to what those guys' arms are going to look like. They should know where they stand, though, after their non-conference schedule. You start off with Arizona State, historically good program, maybe going back a step in the Pac-12, and then you go to the Frisco College Baseball Classic. And then they kind of ease into SEC play, but they got that murderer's row on the back end with Tennessee, Arkansas, LSU, and A&M. So if they can hang tight and make some headway early in the year in those first six series before they get to the last four, I think State's got a great chance this year. Therefore, I predict the Mississippi State Bulldogs to go 15-15 and 15 in the SEC conference play and to finish fourth in the SEC West. All right, so that'll do it for us here on the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU podcast. Thank you all for joining me. As a reminder, like, subscribe, comment on the YouTube channel. Make sure to follow me on Twitter. The account is at 60FT6INLSUPod. Make sure to set that notifications bell and interact with me on Twitter as well. Y'all know where to find the podcast. It's going to be on Apple, Google, Spotify, other major audio platforms. On deck, Arkansas Razorbacks and the Texas A&M Aggies. So until next time, stay safe, and as always, go Tigers.